When I was uh, in my first parish in Nova Scotia, which you probably could see, PJ, from your vantage point in New Brunswick, uh, on the edge of the Bay of Fundy, there was a couple there, and I have to say, that made it a little nerve-wracking to preach. They were visiting professors from a university in Illinois. She taught English, so I had to be a little careful about my uh, grammar, but he taught religious studies, which made it a bit more nerve-wracking. And they were over for uh, a course that she was taking in order to continue her work there. And they brought their two little children with them, and they were lovely, hospitable, and gracious people. And I remember one time being invited over to their home for a meal. And uh, Gil, as his name was, asked me if I would like to share a beer with them. So I thought, sure, that would be lovely. I don't really drink, but you know, you try to be nice. Well, that was quite literal. There were four adults in the room and we shared a bottle of beer. I thought I was gonna get my own bottle, but apparently not. And all four of us had about that much moose head in our glasses. Well, I remember that today uh, as a literal interpretation of the sentence that Gil uttered, right? Would you like to share a beer with us tonight? Now, Gil was also a little liberal, or sorry, a little literal in his interpretation of the law. And I can remember speaking with him quite a bit about what is the relationship of a Christian to the law of God. And there were times when we agreed, and there were times when we agreed to disagree. But one really helpful thing that Gil said to me sticks with me sometimes when I come up against a passage like the one I just read. You see, that passage isn't simply about a miracle. It's not simply about a miracle taking place on the Sabbath and therefore presumably breaking the Sabbath law. It's actually about the relationship of the law to the people of God as disciples of Jesus Christ. Where does the law stand? How are we expected to follow the law or not follow the law, or do we have to bother with it at all? Those are the questions that swirl around today's passage. And Gill's helpful sentence, which was this, that Christian people are released from the ritual demands of the law, so you'll be glad to know that if somebody catches that pigeon that's flying around the cathedral, we don't have to split it into four pieces up here today. But that we are still bound by the moral code of the law. And I have to say, I think Jesus would disagree, or sorry, that Jesus would agree with that. You know what we say in our Eucharistic prayers, right? That Jesus offered himself once and for all as a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. In other words, releasing all those ritual requirements. And he becomes the one through whom we are brought back into a relationship with God and through whom our various sins are forgiven. But what about the rest of the stuff? What about the Ten Commandments? What about some of those other things that God's people are compelled to do? 
Gill's answer, as I just said, would be that those are still incumbent upon us. But Jesus teaches us how to rightly interpret them. Last week in the prayers of the people, beautifully done, here at our nine o'clock service, there was mention of the two-edged sword of the gospel and how that sort of splices down to the essence of things at times and separates what is necessary from what is unnecessary. And I would say that the two edges of the sword, the two sides that run down the middle of the sword are love and grace and the law of God, and that they are fused together in some way in Jesus, the sinless one who perfectly obeyed the law and perfectly loved God and others. So the argument between Jesus and the synagogue leader is about that stuff. The synagogue leader is very literal. Look, you did some work. It may have been nice work. Well, there goes our friend. Put up your umbrellas. Uh, There goes some nice work. Or Sorry, it may have been good work, but it was work nonetheless. And if we begin to break the rules this way and that way, then it all sort of can just bleed away and the law becomes a nice suggestion rather than something which is required. So the synagogue leader, you know, he's the leader, right? He has to maintain some kind of semblance of the law, and he doesn't want this Jesus guy just sort of throwing it away. Well, Jesus isn't throwing it away. He is saying that we always have to interpret the law of God through the lens of God's love. And when he is asked about what is the law, what is required for his followers to do, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And I so yeah, 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 but not that easy. You know, give me some rules. That might be easier. And then even more difficult sometimes, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So you see, I don't think Jesus is suspending the law. He says to uh, the people gathered that day, you know, you would go loose your ox or your donkey in order for it to be well. And he uses the same word for this woman. So why not loose this woman who's been like this for over half of her life? Do that for five minutes and imagine doing it for 18 years. Why would you bind this woman, is Jesus' real question, in that kind of suffering and separation from the community? Because the purpose of the Sabbath law in the first place was to loose Israel with the day of rest from the tyranny of Egypt. And the purpose of the law is to draw boundaries so that we can live in freedom and love with God and one another. And sometimes the boundaries have to become a little smudged looking in order for us to live as people of love. There are lots of examples of this, aren't there? Right now, our church is grappling with the place of non-straight people in the life of the church. 
doesn't, re doesn't strike me as a whole lot different from when the church grappled with the place of slaves. You know, people believed that a certain race was created to be enslaved to the white folk. And we wouldn't want to break that rule because that might divide the church. Thank God we broke it, and we need to break that other one as well. Because it's not within Jesus' understanding of the law of God, which is that, is that all those laws are meant to be interpreted through the lens of love. So here's the way somebody even brighter than Gil Harp put it, and that's St. Paul. He tells us when we are finding ourselves challenged by what to do in these kinds of matters, to think about the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Not, I have to stick to these exact words, like splitting one bottle of beer between four people, but I have to love the Lord my God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. And I have to love my neighbor as liberally as I want to be loved myself. And only when I learn to do that am I living the law of God. Amen.